We'll try again. Thank you. I want to thank uh, the choir, Chimes Choir, for amazing performance. David, thank you for your talents. David, take a bow. There you go. <laughs> you remind me of when I was about uh, oh, years and years ago. Our kids were, were uh, such close in age, trying to change diapers. You like change them one here, and you reach over here, and you're know, crawling over there, and then a kid coming over there, and you, I mean, you were all over the place. That's awesome. <laughs> I got an egg here. I'm, I'm a little scared to open this, and kids are like, no, 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 don't, don't open it to. Oh, all right. April Fools. Oh, they ate the candy out of it. They gone. It's an empty. I was so ready to go there. They gone it. You wait till I see her. I'll get her. Well, I'd like to welcome all of you here today. I see some faces I haven't seen in a while. I see some new faces. And we're so glad that you came here to worship with us today. Uh, especially today being Easter in the celebration of uh, uh, the resurrection of our Lord, and we celebrate that, and today's a great day, it's a, it's a happy day. And the topic I'm going to speak on isn't necessarily a very happy topic, uh, but it's a topic that uh, when you talk about Easter, you have to, to, to bring it up. When I was a little boy, I uh, the first time I'd ever really thought about the concept of of death was I was uh, I couldn't have been more than four probably and I remember one night we were all playing in the front room and my grandpa and my mom were talking in the other room and my dad walked in there and mom started to cry and I'm like what is going on in there and uh, sure enough uh, my grandfather great-grandfather who had been sick a while he he had passed away and so I'm just like, what do you mean he passed away? I mean, where'd he go? You know, what's what's the deal here? So, and uh, I remember going to the funeral for the first time, and and I remember my dad picking me up and kind of holding me by the casket, and it was like, and I'm just looking at him, and he's like, Dad's like, it's okay to touch him, and, it's, and I'm like, I'm not touching him, and, you know, kind of like, what what are you talking about? And uh, so, and then later, I think I was about. 17 maybe, uh, his wife, my great-grandmother, passed away, and we were there. And By then, I, you know, as a teenager, I thought about you know, such things, and I kind of come to my own conception of, of what, you know, what death was. And By that time, I had met Jesus, so I understood you know, the, the gospel message. And I remember being there, and my mom was trying to explain it to my... Uh, well, my sister, who had been just a maybe two, just a baby, she was trying to explain. And they're up at the casket, looking in there, and my other great grandpa's at the down at the feet, and he's like shaking the casket like this, and they're sitting there looking in there, like, wow, wow, you know, this this gospel stuff's real. Look at look, you know, we're just just messing with us and. So you'll forgive my irreverence over death, because death is the last enemy. But it's also death is the enemy that Jesus defeated at the cross. Uh, his resurrection is the the victory over over death. 
And for me as a Christian, and for many of you as Christians, death has a different meaning, a different significance than over those who have no hope, those who, who have no idea of the gospel, those who have no idea about the salvation that's offered through Jesus. That's funny, this time of year, when you turn on the TV, there's always uh, uh, religious uh, shows like, Who is the real Jesus? Uh, National Geographic will run something. CNN will always do something. Who is the real Jesus? And, uh, you know, they tend to, you know, try to talk about the archaeological facts and rectify it with the Bible, and almost always they, they get it all wrong. And, for example, there's a, a blog called Life Science, and this is what the author of this blog says, talking about the historical Jesus. He says, the historical details are hard to verify who believes that the importance of the less plausible stories found in the Bible, such as the resurrection, lies not in whether they actually happened, but in what they meant to Jesus' followers. I know a lot of people who, who think that people who aren't Christians. It doesn't matter if he rose from the dead or not, you know, it, but he really affected people you, you know, through that. People believed it. Well, the author goes on, if we understand these stories as parables about Jesus, as metaphorical narratives about him, then the question of their uh, factuality vanishes as an important question. And he goes on and he talks about different things like that. And, and for many people who are not Christians, when they talk of Jesus, they, they kind of skip over the historical facts as if they're not that important. Well, you know, if you're not a Christian, I don't think you would believe that Jesus really raised, was raised from the dead. I mean, it was a great story, but look, he's dead and buried. And like the Romans said, the, the, uh, the disciples snuck in and they stole the body. And they went running around telling everybody, yeah, we, we saw him. Okay. Well, as a believer, I believe Jesus really rose from the dead, and that has a lot of significance. It is important that we believe that he did actually rise from the dead, that that did in fact take place. As we talked about in sunrise service, if the resurrection is not true, if Easter is not true, all of the things that Jesus said, all of the things that he talked about, none of that's true. Or he was either a fool or he has deluded himself or he was a religious nut. But if the resurrection actually happened, everything he said was true. His mission was accomplished, and it had meaning. And so, yes, it does matter if we actually believe that he actually rose from the dead. Of all the articles out there, the, the, the topic that seems to catch most people's attention is, you know, what happens after death? People are always... I've always been curious about that. And there's lots of scientific debate about near-death experiences. You know, there was... Uh, for, I had, this one guy told me, <laughs> he said, yeah, here's my near-death experience. You be the judge. And he goes, after being struck by lightning, a man meets a being of light who grants forgiveness for a, life, for a lifetime's worth of violence. And full cardiac arrest on the operating table. A grad school teacher travels down a long tunnel 
to a place filled with love and beautiful white light. And then Elvis took her by the hand and led her on into eternity. I don't know about Elvis. Perhaps as many as 15 million Americans have had a near-death experience. That's a lot of people who claim to have had some sort of you know, experience after death. I saw a white light. I, uh, I felt myself floating in the air I, and a lot of different things. Perhaps some of you have had a near-death experience. and It can be a life-changing event. One of my best friends, he uh, became acquainted with a pastor who actually, uh, he pastors a church in Covington, Ohio, a guy by the name of Howard Storm. <coughs> Now, Howard Storm's theology is a little different than our theology, but he had a, uh, uh, an amazing near-death experience. He had been very, very sick. He was on vacation. He got sick and went to the hospital, and he wasn't going to make it. And he can vi- vividly remembers you know, a lot of the things that you hear about, the floating and the light and the, you know, those things. And, except he was not a Christian. And his experience was a little bit different. Instead of, uh, you know, descending into the light and into a place of love, these creepy beings showed up and kind of escorted him out. And it was, uh, from there the story gets really wild, but it all works out for him in the end. And when he came out of it and was awoken, he he was a different person. It was a life-changing event. We had a, a gentleman who attended this church just maybe for a year or so. This was, this was many moons ago. He was probably the scariest dude I've ever met in my life. And he would always talk about how he always packed a gun, and I'll pull that gun, and I'll just got you. Never thought twice about it. And I'm just like, who is this guy? You know? But he had a dream, and he swears that it was real, and he was going to be thrown into this fire, and... Whether or not that actually happened or not, it totally changed his life. And he was convinced, I got to shape up, or it's curtains for me. And he talked about how he gave his gun up and, and all this different stuff, and he was a different person. And of course, many of us have had to deal with the death of loved ones. It's a natural part of life. Some of you have had to face that yourself. A few weeks ago, we, in the lead up to, to Easter, we talked about how Jesus had to face this, this fact of life and uh, how he had gone to the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, and how he had intentionally delayed himself so that Lazarus then died and he went to the tomb and, and to demonstrate the power of God and, and the power of the Holy Spirit and that this was a this upcoming Easter time was to be a, a time of, of resurrection. And he went and he called Lazarus forth and the whole thing. But as Jesus was there, the Bible makes it plain that Jesus himself wept. Jesus was deeply touched by the death of Lazarus. He was deeply touched by uh, what was about to take place. 
In fact, when he got there, he was sort of scolded by, by Martha, one of the, the women that he knew. And, oh, if you'd have just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You know, we, we say the same thing to, to Jesus all the time. If you'd have been here, Lord, my marriage might have been saved. If you'd have been here, you know, I wouldn't have lost my temper. If you would have been here, my family would have stuck together. Where were you, Lord? But like the story of Lazarus, Jesus was there. He showed up. So what are you going to do now? Well, Jesus demonstrated his power. That's right. Lazarus died. And I'm thankful, dear God, that he did die so that I can demonstrate the power of the gospel to all these people. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes from the, out of the tomb. Jesus said in John chapter 11, if you have your, your Bibles, I'm going to spend most of the next few minutes here in John chapter 11. And I want to look at verse 25 and 26. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I want to... I want to go over this again. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, he's talking to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He could have left it there and just went on. But he stopped and he said, do you believe this? And that's a question. That's the supreme question of Easter. Do you believe this? Many of us come to Easter service. We come to, you know, because that's the thing you do on Easter. You, you come and Easter and Christmas. And you want to make mom happy so you show up and... You know, uh, last night at my family uh, get-together uh, over at my mom's church, my sister said, yeah, Mom, I'm coming tomorrow. Mom was like, oh, yes, yes. She just got so thrilled. But Jesus is asking all of us, look, guys, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me prove it to you. They're going to stick me on a cross, and in three days after my death, after I lay in the tomb, I'm going to rise again to prove, to demonstrate to all of you that what I said was true. Do you believe it? And that's a question we all have to wrestle with. Do you believe it? Or is it just a religious story that it doesn't really matter if he really raised from the dead or not? The fact is, a lot of people believed it and the Bible makes it very clear that because he did rise from the dead, death was destroyed. It does matter. What does he mean here? In, in, you know, how can a man live even if he dies? And how can a man who believes never die? You know, what's he talking about? How can you die and not die at the same time? You know, what's going on with this? There's something about this idea of death that Jesus is dealing with in the lives of, for all Christians. It's almost as if he's saying, look, 
If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, death is different for you. Because you have eternal life. And and it takes on a different significance for those who have no hope. I read a book or an article about Carl Sagan. Many of you might remember Carl Sagan. He was an astrophysicist. um, Very intelligent man. uh, Did a lot of stuff on NOVA and PBS. And he was sort of America's scientist and all this. Well, when he was dying, I believe he was dying of cancer. They interviewed his wife, and of course they were atheists, and and they asked him about, well, what do you think is going to happen when Carl dies? She goes, well, he's going to go off into nothingness. I mean, he just ceased to exist. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, here we are. We've been man and wife for over twenty years, and we've been inseparable for that whole time. But how can death be anything other than? You know, our, our final separation. That's a positive thought. Wow. But for many people, that's what they look at. Death is nothing more than the end. But those of us who take on the idea that Jesus was resurrected, death is, is a lot different than that. It is not simply the end. Uh, like Larry said, thank you for those nice words, Larry. I, uh, I'm a school teacher up at Graham High School. And this week, uh, last week, we were going into um, spring break, so we had this big big bash, a big party thing, and we were raising money for the United Way, and it was a wing-eating contest. Uh-oh. Just like class, hand me a hand it over. <laughs> you know, so, you know. <laughs> Put it on the corner of the desk at least, so I know what you're doing with it. So. Anyways, we were having a wing eating contest, and uh, you know, as a teacher for many years, these kind of things, they're kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to go down to the pep rally. I don't want to go to the SM. You know, get the kids in there, and the teachers they were run off and hide and goof off or whatever, you know. So we're heading down there, and I noticed this one boy ducked into the bathroom. I'm like, aha, he's up to no good, because, you know, kids will do that. So I went in there, banged on the door, who's in here? Oh, uh, it's Hunter. I said, well, get on out here. You're going on down to the, okay. So by that time, everybody else had already gone down there, and so he comes out, and I'm following him down to the, down to the, uh, down to the gymnasium, and I look down the hall, and I see a friend of mine. This is a lady who had lost her daughter uh, earlier in the school year. I had mentioned her in church. Uh, she was a well-known kid from Champaign County. She'd been involved in many different uh, activities, uh, 4-H stuff, uh, popular around the school. And uh, I saw her heading back down to her classroom, and I knew this was not going to be a good day for her. So um, I went on down to, to talk to her. And I always find it unique, because if that kid hadn't had tried to ditch the assembly and duck into the bathroom, I never would have seen her. It just played out that way. So I went down to talk to her, and uh, 
it was a rough day. She was thinking of her daughter. And to get to the gym, you got to go past a, a certain, got to go through the cafeteria to a hallway. And that spot where the, the cafeteria and this hallway meet before you get to the gym, that's the last place she saw her daughter alive. And she has never gotten the courage to walk past that point. So any pep rally, anything doing the cafeteria, she just can't go. And the day wasn't any different. She couldn't make it. And she, uh, so I was talking to her. And she goes, you know, John, it's Easter time. We should be talking about resurrection. But all I can think about is, is what happened to, to Sarah. You know, I can't believe it. And I still struggle with it. And we talked for a while. And, and now her, she's a, uh, a Methodist, which is a little different than the Church of God of the Abrahamic faith. But she told me a story, a dream. She goes, I never dream anymore. And I suddenly had a dream for the first time in, in a long time. And she said, I was sitting in a classroom and Sarah was there with me. But she was about seven. She was just a child. And we sat there and in, 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 we were working on a worksheet. We were having fun. And suddenly... I looked down at Sarah and said, Sarah, I miss you. And Sarah looked up at her mommy and said, Mommy, I'm an angel now. I miss you too, Mommy. Can I hug you? And she held her and they hugged. And Sarah woke up and, uh, from that dream. And, in, and she knew it was a dream. You know, she doesn't believe her daughter is an angel or anything. But that was something that, it was as if God said, I, I want to give this little gift to you. Because you're a believer. Because you know what the gospel is about. Sarah knew the gospel. She had accepted Christ. This whole family had accepted Christ. There's no doubt about what awaits them in eternity. Death is something we all deal with. But Jesus viewed death as the, the last enemy. And that's really the story of Easter. That death is not the end of the road. Now, Yes, we have to find a way to get through the rest of this life until we get to eternity. And thank God Jesus himself made it perfectly clear that you know, I'm not going to abandon you here. You know, Hey, I'll, I'll catch you guys in the afterlife. You, you can... Take care of yourself. Until, no, he said he would be with us the whole way. But for the Christian, death is something else. It's not the end. Jesus seems to transform death into, into something else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I kind of read this this morning. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 25 is where we're going to start. Oh, heck, I'll just go back to verse 12. <laughs> There's so much you want to say. It's like, I, I, I can't get all this in here. Anyways, verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of, de of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, I got some explaining to do in the future. Lord, I preached to all these people about Jesus coming back from the dead, and uh, you boy, you blew up big time. I don't think so. Going on, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Jesus we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. If Jesus is not, if he did not rise from the dead, we are to be pitied. We deserve the scorn that the, the world heaps upon the Christian people. You are a bunch of religious nuts. Verse 20, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, those who are in Christ, when you die, the Bible, it's similar to falling asleep. It's different. When Carl Sagan died, yeah, he, poof, to nothingness. It's kind of interesting. The Pope put out, I don't know if any of you follow Pope Francis. I, I just think he's a fascinating person. I'm definitely not Catholic, but uh, he put out some things. Apparently he said there's no hell. If you look at the Bible, the, the Francis, he said, well, there's really no such thing as hell. My ears perked up at that. I said, wait a minute. That's, that's interesting. Uh, and, of course, the, the church is trying to backtrack a little bit on what he said. But, you know, actually, if you look in the Bible, there's not a whole lot in there about what happens, about hell. They said, well, well, look, Pope, if there's no hell, what happens to people? And he says, well, you just sort of, you're done for. That's it, gone, poof. And then, then we'll have a resurrection later. And I'm like, wow, this guy could write stuff for you know, Sunday school maybe. Some, I don't know. Anyways, it was just some interesting stuff, things that really got my attention. But people are fascinated by the topic. But according to the Bible, if you look here in 1 Corinthians, jump down to verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in, in subjection, it's plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. In other words, everything is, is in subjection to Christ. God said, oh, Jesus, I'm telling you, everything is under you. You're above everything, including death. And death is the final enemy. But you know, the resurrection is the victory over death. So for Christians, the resurrection is everything. 
People want to know what lies beyond the veil. You know, you can call the psychic hotline. You can talk to someone who thinks they met Elvis on the other side if you want to. But when the time of death comes, you better know Jesus. Many people have done horrific things in their search for truth and eternal life. Jim Jones, those of you who are older may remember that guy, what happened to his followers. The Heaven's Gate cult. David Koresh, the Branch Davidians out in, in, in Texas. But these are people who have detached themselves from the word of God. When you do that, you're left with nothing but vain speculation and, and dreams. Jesus is the answer to death for all of us. That's the story of, of Easter. The promise of eternal life is simple. It's secure. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. You can fake religion most of the time. I faked it at times. We've all faked how Christian we are at times. But you can't fake it in the face of death. And in that moment, Jesus makes all the difference in the world. He is the victor over death for all time. As the word says, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Why? Because death for you is not like death for the unbeliever. For you, you're out. You can destroy the body. But for God, it's like you went to sleep. And someday, in fact, there was the story of Jesus raising the little girl, Jairus' daughter. He went in there, and they said, Lord, she's already gone. Nah, she's just sleeping. Now, why did he use the word sleep? Now, it's not phys- you know, like we go to sleep. If sleep was weird like that, we'd call the ambulance every night. She fell asleep! Call the squad! Yeah, you know, we don't do that. Because sleep is natural. And when people fall asleep, what do you expect they're going to do? They're going to get rest, maybe. I don't know if we need rest to get into the kingdom, but eventually you're going to wake up. Jesus, instead of saying, she, you know, he could have said, look, she's dead, but she's going to rise again here in just a few minutes. So I'm going to raise her up. She's sleeping. Like, is she going to wake up? <laughs> you better believe she's going to wake up. He clearly states that for the believer, death ceases to be death at all. It's the final enemy that will be destroyed once and for all. Paul clearly states that to die is to gain. David says he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even on the cross, Jesus told one of the thieves, Look, today I'm telling you something amazing. You're going to be with me in paradise. Don't fear it. What's going to happen? Because I have conquered that, or I'm about to conquer it. And when I rise up out of the grave on that Easter Sunday, I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to tell it to my disciples. As the Bible says, he appeared to over 500 people. This was a public thing. He wanted everybody to know what had happened. Even some of the Romans 
saw what had happened and understood, wow, this really was the Son of God. So that's the question all of us have to ask ourselves today on Easter Sunday. Do you believe this? Is this what it's really about? Back to John chapter 11. Let me read it to you again. Verse 25. Jesus is talking to Martha, and he says to her, and again, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. You're not going to die like those who have no hope. For you, it's like going to sleep. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to wake you up. And we're going into the kingdom that's been prepared for you. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And that's the supreme question of Easter. Do you believe that? Or is it just a fairy tale? Let me read to you uh, just quickly here. The story, Jesus has asked these questions and he's been crucified and now it's Easter Sunday. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first week, first day of the week, this is Matthew chapter 28, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. We're out of here. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is... What? He's risen. They didn't tell her, Look, look, the, the disciples snuck in, ran off of the body... Uh, just go along with us here. No. He's not here. He is risen, just like he said he would. Look, come here and see the place where he, where he lay. Then go quickly, tell the disciples, he is risen from the dead. Behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly with fear and great joy, ran to tell the disciples. And behold, sure enough, Jesus meets them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. I bet we have the same reaction when we met, meet Christ for the first time. Because I'm telling you, that day's coming. It's like that movie that just came out based on that song. I haven't seen it yet, but everybody was raving about it. You know, I can only imagine. You know, the, well, you got to think about that. What, what, what are you going to do? Well, well, Jesus, what's up? You know, hopefully you might have a little different reaction than that. I, I, you know, 
probably be like Martha and Mary, like so overwhelmed and joyful. Jesus said to her, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee. There you'll see me. What an amazing, amazing story. But yet it's more than a story. I teach history for a living. The most important historical event that ever happened. More important than the Battle of Gettysburg. More important than D-Day. More important than any of the other 10,000 things that you know, we want to teach you out of a history book. Jesus rose from the dead. That changes everything. Everything. If you believe this, then death is transformed for you. It's not the end. It's merely the transition into an eternal life. It's like falling asleep. It's like resting until Jesus Christ comes for each of us to raise us up through resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 50 through 58. You probably have all heard this, but probably at a funeral. But it really captures the essence of what Easter really is. Because Jesus rose from the dead, verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the story of Easter. Do you believe that? Do you want that today? Because every one of us has to answer that supreme question. Do you believe this? Now, I challenge you today to consider that as a historical fact, as something that's true, because for the believer, the resurrection of Christ really is that important. It's everything. It's everything. And you have to wrestle with that in your own heart. Do you believe that? Some of you may have never settled that issue with God. I want you to carefully consider that and to think about that. Because those promises are not for everyone. They're for those who accept that free gift. And it is a free gift. God says, I want to save you. Here, take it. So many people go, too good to be true. I don't want it. 
You don't want to be that person. Easter Sunday is, to me, is my favorite time of the year because as a Christian, this is it. This is the big day. This is the Super Bowl. This is the big one. Because if the fact of today, if Jesus was not raised, we're fooling ourselves. We might as well start the, the North Hills uh, Fellowship Group of whatever. And you know, we'll, Maybe we need Elvis up here or something. We'll, we'll sing Elvis songs every Sunday. And, I mean, we'd get the same benefit. The fact is, Jesus is alive today. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he wants you to know that, and he wants you to respond to that, to know that Jesus really is alive, that he died for your sins, and that he's coming again to establish a kingdom that he desperately wants you to be a part of. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this Easter Sunday. Lord, I hope that every one of us stops and, and asks ourselves, do you believe this? I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict the hearts of those who do not know you and that you would bless them and help us as a church to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. That's our mission. That's all we're about. Lord, we love you today and we give you praise for your plan of salvation and the certainty that each of us can be a part of that wonderful kingdom of God throughout all eternity. Lord, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.